93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Very pleased to welcome a good friend and uh, someone who I think uh, knows uh, just about more about what's happening in Columbia than almost anybody. Uh, Bob Roper, thank you for joining us this weekend. Fred, happy to be back. We yeah. did this a few months ago, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed it. Great so conversation. Good to be back. And uh, you certainly, uh, uh, because of all the things that you're involved in in the community and have been involved over the years, you have a pretty good perspective and pretty... Uh, you know, broad understanding of of some of the, the the problems that we have and some of the situations we gotten ourselves into. But remind our people about your background. Where'd you grow up, and how did you get to Columbia? Well, I grew up in uh, Southern Indiana, but mostly uh, Southwest Missouri, Lamar, Missouri, okay. Harry Truman, yeah, hometown, hometown where Absolutely. he was born. Yeah, uh, graduated from high school, went off to college, came here in the fall of 1965, if wow. you can believe it. Yep to go to law school got interrupted by military service uh there was a war going on then and so after two years i took two years off to do that and came back finished up in 1970 practiced law in various capacities public defender assistant prosecutor city attorney oh yeah private practice decided that i didn't care for the practice of law and I got tired of a few people lying to me all the time mm-hmm. and decided I was more of a businessman than a lawyer. Yeah. So when an offer came from what was then Boone County National Bank to run the trust and investment area, I took that and it's been a very enjoyable 27 years working there till yeah. I retired. And it, it turned out to be a great uh, a great move. I worked for great people and they uh, uh, <clears throat> let me run with my ideas as long as I showed I know what I was doing. And I talked him into creating Central Trust Company. Mm-hmm. My last few years, whereas the acting, I acted as the president and CEO of that, and uh, it's a pretty big, pretty big operation yeah. right now. So I bet they I, take I you back. Of that career. I bet they take you back today, wouldn't they? Uh, we have a very good CEO. <laughs> let's put it that way. So I doubt it. Uh, I did not realize that uh, when well, you say you joined the military and mm-hmm. uh, there was a war going on, so that makes you a Vietnam veteran. Well, I didn't. Uh, Vietnam era veteran. Okay. Yeah, I did right. not go to Vietnam. Yep. I, I was in an air transportation wing for the Air Force. Okay. But we didn't get called up to go there. Yeah. I thought we Lucky would. You. We were told we were going to. Yeah. All packed up and ready to go, but wow. the call never came. Yeah. Oh, and the, early in my legal career, I met a very smart, very pretty, yes, very neat lady named mm-hmm. Ellen. Ellen, who became Ellen Roper, who. Yeah. A lot of people know of in a different capacity other than my wonderful wife. <laughs> and some we have a lot of listeners saying, "Yeah, she put my brother behind bars." <laughs> yeah, but she was so sweet; she'd give him a candy bar from the bench. 
Well, uh, yeah, just, uh, of course, a legendary judge here in Boone County. And, and, uh, and of course, I've always had a very respectful fear of her and, and uh, <laughs> not necessarily for legal reasons, just, you know, because I have a smart mouth. But um, it's uh, so did you find that your legal skills were something that were essential to you when you uh, started to run the, the central bank's trust division? Uh, not essential, but very valuable. Yeah. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. I, I had the ability with my legal background to see and sense problems before before others did mm-hmm. and you always want to get your problems solved early rather yeah. than late yeah and the last thing you need is to have some ugly lawsuit find its way into the newspaper because then you have a real credibility problem yeah i think that uh, probably one of your biggest claim to f- claims to fame that you have not mentioned is that you were probably stan Kroenke's first business partner that's true yeah uh let go of london limited where we had the brains to misspell the word <laughs> Ladigo, it's L-A-T-I-G-O, and that, not L-A-D. And, well, you know, it uh, has a little different twist on it. And anyway, uh, what were the primary products you were selling at Ladigo of London? Uh, mostly hippie clothes, uh-huh. but also we had people that would uh, hand make leather uh, belts, uh, sandals, vests, things of that nature. Yeah, um, and so that stuff has kind of made a little bit of a comeback. A little bit, yeah. yeah. And uh, are there any pictures of you and Stan uh, uh, donning the gear? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> They'd be I, worth something. They probably would. <laughs> he, he openly admits, oh, yeah, Bob and I, Bob was my very first yeah. business partner. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, we got along great. Yeah. Uh, no arguments. Yeah. Uh, just reasonable people divide, dividing up the duties for the day and the week, et cetera. So yeah. uh, he was a good partner. Yeah. Good, Still good. a good friend. Very interesting story. Yeah. Um, let's jump right into the headlines. And, and I think that uh, one of the things that happened this week was an opportunity for the for the public uh, to meet the police chief candidates. I've been very disappointed in the media coverage uh, of that event. Uh, my 23-year-old son, who is a realtor here in Columbia, went to the event, and I said, well, what did you think? And um, uh, maybe I should respect his his uh, privacy and not repeat what he said. But, you know, I it, it's interesting. I think you sort of know which direction the city is going to go with this, but uh, give me your take on the four candidates that have emerged as the finalists for this job. Okay, well, the uh, let's start uh, right here at home. Yep. That would be Jill Schluty. Yep, she was uh, an eight, she's an eighteen year veteran, as I recall. Rose up through the ranks, uh, was uh, for a time deputy chief under. Uh, Ken Burton, I hope that isn't used against her because mm-hmm. he's not a popular ex-chief. No, he's not. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think it would be unfair, frankly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've dealt with her some, and uh, found her to be very competent and uh, qualified, and uh, has served in a lot of roles. A lot of which interface with the uh, city. And from what I heard, I didn't go to that forum last night, but for, from what I heard, she did a pretty good job. Yeah. Did a credible job. So she's a. I look at her as a very credible candidate. I hope the council know, or rather the city manager knows, that uh, we haven't had much luck with outside chiefs. Yeah, I mean, you look at one in. of the reasons Jeff Jones was successful, is that he had respect from among his peers in the mm-hmm. department, and he was able to lead them uh, from that position of respect. And, so, and you know, there are council members who think all cops are bad, uh, right. especially the ones here in Columbia, Missouri. So uh, that would be, you know, that is probably working very much against her right now. Well, <clears throat> I think 
working for though uh and i have talked to no cops at all no yeah. leadership nothing uh I, they'd probably prefer to have a local that's come up through the ranks sure. that that understands where things are exactly where yeah. the bodies are buried and maybe has a shovel or two mm-hmm. hanging around <laughs> so uh I, I would think that they would let go of any anti-burton bias and uh, just uh, be in favor of her but i'm not sure what about the guy who worked for the kansas city police department that primarily in an hr capacity right now what 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 do you what's your read on him I worry a little bit that uh, he hasn't spent enough time in grade as a, a patrol officer, a detective, mm-hmm. uh, command of the regiment, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that other stuff's important, but does that get you ready for uh, being police chief of Columbia, Missouri? Yeah. I have my doubts. My son told me that one of the candidates uh, has been fired a couple times, and he has sued uh, at least a few of the departments that he at has least worked two. for. At least two that we know of. Um, uh, tell me where he's coming from. Well, he's out of a job now. His last stop was a uh, suburb of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And uh, he, uh, I, yeah, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, he comes across as a little bit radioactive in mm. the sense that are you going to have to get rid of him and get sued after two years? Yeah. Uh, How much would about that's the one they hire? <laughs> well, could be. <laughs> then the fourth one is uh, the man out of Greeley, Colorado. My, uh, he actually checks a lot of good boxes. Mm-hmm. The problem is, I'm not sure Greeley, Colorado, really prepares you for Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. By the way, one of the good things in this search is a thousand people uh did the survey mm-hmm. is it the thousand right people or the thousand wrong people pretty much the right ones oh. well i was very worried when they announced that process mm-hmm. that the anti-cop folks in town would game the survey yeah. and you get a hijack false it. you hijack it yeah. game it what do you want to call it yep and give a false uh view of what what people were looking for don't forget that in this town every survey we do of citizens and we do that about every year mm-hmm well, public safety is number one. Yeah. Uh, and that's police and fire. Mm-hmm. People want to be safe. And guess what? That's pretty much what the 1,000 people survey said, too. It did not say we want DEI. It yeah. did not say we want all kinds of uh, uh, social services uh, interfering with making uh, righteous arrests of really bad people. Yeah, ultimately, it'll be DeCarlin Seawood's uh, choice, the city manager. But we mm-hmm. know that how that really works. Uh, he'll have probably quite a bit of uh, unsolicited influence from the mayor and the city council i asked him uh, when he was on this show not long ago i said how important is it to you that the person who becomes our next police chief is a person of color and um i think the question caught him off guard a little bit but he said you know it's it's not important i want to i want to find the best person for the job so two of the candidates are african-american uh one is a white male one's a white female correct right um so um it'd be interesting to see sort of you know um if they believe, I, 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 I don't know if, you know, Jeff Jones certainly proved that race relations can be handled very effectively by a white police chief. I mean, he, he built a beautiful relationship with Mary Ratliff. He and, did. And uh, other, you know, uh, leaders of color in the community. And so, um, you know, not so much with race matters, friends, but I don't think any reasonable person win. can. That's a group can you can't win a, with. Yeah. yeah you, no reasonable person can uh, get Should along even with try. him. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think he gave up after a while. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's, what do you think is going to be the determining factor in, in who gets hired? I don't really know DeCarlin Seawood. I've only met him once. And so I don't know what's in his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is saying the right things. 
and I don't think he's the kind that walks around with ulterior motives. Uh, I I think he's probably figured out with, from these surveys that you can be a strong liberal Democrat, but you don't want to get mugged either. Yeah. And you don't want somebody shooting up your neighborhood. Yeah. You want that person 30 miles away or yeah. wherever they have to go to be a, uh, less of a threat to society. Yeah. So the, this idea that's, that uh, a whole bunch of people uh, don't want strong law enforcement, uh, it appears that the surveys keep showing that's just false. Yeah. Uh, Missouri Chamber of Commerce hosted a uh, uh a two-day workshop this week in St. Charles on workforce development and, and it talked about, you know, the factors that people look at when they consider relocating to a community. And of course, in Columbia, we have a major labor shortage and, right. and you, but you talk to people about why they don't want to move to Columbia and or any city. And there is this perceived notion that, that crime is a major issue in our community and it may not be real. You know what I mean? But there's at least a perception there that, right. that crime is a major issue. And so, you know, you you think that you would want to do, given our current situation where we just have too many empty jobs and, and companies are considering going elsewhere because they can't find qualified employers, employees, um, you would think that this big quality of life issue called crime is something that we would want to tackle head on. You would think so. But mm-hmm. then uh, you have to look at the evidence. And, and look, we had... $25 million in ARPA funds, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a gusher of new money coming into the city coffers in the general fund, $15 million. So that's $40 that's million. From, from sales taxes of marijuana sales, yeah. uh, the internet sales, all that stuff coming in at one time. Yeah, a, a big gusher, a big increase. Yeah. Not one thin dime went to increase the police department or provide them extra stuff. Well, that's not true. They got a new custodian in the budget. Oh, Okay. Excuse me, you're right. You're, <laughs> and I, I think how much got, that will uh, help got a in the fight against crime? I they don't also know. got a public information officer. That's good to know too. Yeah. So and the fireman got an assistant chief. Yeah. I recall. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. In terms of uh, boots on the streets, uh, nothing. And uh, I think it was uh, Jill Schluty, uh that said that we're down 33 people right mm-hmm. now. And a city manager says, "I really want to do community policing." Well, that's great. Community policing takes even more, yeah. more bodies. Yep. If you're going to have officer friendly all over the place, you got to have more boots on the ground. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that is frustrating. Uh, let's talk about the city manager for a second and, and just talk about uh, uh, his overall performance. I think he walked into a tough situation. Uh, there was a lot of concern that he really, even though he had been in city several cities, that this was just a job that was way too big for him. Um, looking back over his, you know, first year and a half, two years as city manager, uh, as in the the official capacity, what what is your read? Well, I yeah, I think this is a huge jump for him, and maybe too big. If, uh, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, I'll answer your question. Mm-hmm. I I have real concerns, not so much about the police chief search. I, I he he may work that one out okay. I don't think he has a hidden agenda there. Mm-hmm. But you know, think about it. Uh, he's been talking about increasing pay and the pay compression issue, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera. The only problem is he's been talking about it for two years. Yeah. You know, it's like pushing paper, crumpling up paper and pushing it through a tube. Yeah. Sure, it takes a little while for it to come out the other end, but come on. Yeah. Uh, 
that's that's a major reason we're losing police officers instead they get at in five years and realize they're making as much as the guy that's got 18 yeah yeah and anyway there's that there's the uh the the water plant now a lot of that's the fault of the uh uh council but uh, diddling and dithering around while uh cost of money goes up and the cost of construction goes up the electric line i see no leadership on yeah. that you know the yeah. big 169 kv hold that thought because uh, that's the voice of bob roper uh who is joining us today on the ceo roundtable when we come back we'll talk about some of our self-created problems and we'll continue uh, his review of the city management performance in the first two years on the job. All of that and more coming up with Bob Roper on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. This is 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host. We're visiting with Bob Roper, a man about town, Esquire, former uh, leader of the CEO of the Central Trust and Investment uh, Group, and uh, and uh, certainly uh, someone who has been very active in community affairs for many, many, many years, and and uh, married to the judge. Is she still practicing as a judge? Is she a senior judge now, or what is she up to? No, she uh, she did 31 years, and, and in the last few months of her tenure, I said, are you going to do that senior judge stuff? Mm-hmm. And she looked at me like I was totally nuts yep. and said, I've been getting up bright and early every day yep. for 31 years, yep. and all I ever see is sad and terrible things, uh, so I'm done. Can you imagine? Good for her. That's, yeah. the, that's I can only imagine. We were talking about the, the city manager, DeCarlin Seawood, and, and you, you brought up a couple of uh, what I will refer to as self-created problems here in the city. And uh, we finally got a fire station built. Is that correct, down south? Yes. And opened uh, just recently. Yeah. And uh, but uh, you tell me the three things you mentioned before the break. Remind me real quick. Well, uh, fixing the water plant. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, millions of uh, cubic feet. Uh, we're at twenty four. We're supposed to be at thirty two. Yeah. It's going to cost quite a bit of money to fix that. Yeah. But if we don't, we're going to have uh, water shortages. Major. In fact, we are already are a little bit out in. Uh, Thornbrook in yep. that area. Yep. Another one was the power line, the electric line, the 169 uh, kV line that's supposed to run along along uh, Nifong all yep. the way to a hookup. It's you. What you want in this business is interconnection, so that if you get an overload somewhere, you can rush uh, extra power. Yep. In and it would also link up with. Uh, the Hinkson uh, Creek uh, substation, et cetera, mm-hmm. make us a lot stronger. And yeah. If we don't do something about that someday, we are going to have brownouts and a blackout. It's really interesting. I, I don't know if you've had uh, Jim Windsor on your show or not, but, yeah. but it's, you know, Jim Windsor, a former, um, you know, uh, uh, director with, with utilities here in Columbia. You know, he says, Hey, look, folks, uh, I know what I'm talking about. I did it for 30 years for the, for the city. Uh, you're, you're making some mistakes here. Please pay attention. And they really, they seem to discount what he's telling them. You know what I mean? Which it was very unfortunate. So yeah, he was there at the first meeting in October and he said, uh, you know, it's now on you. Yeah. If you don't do anything, this is on you when yeah. this bad stuff starts happening. Yeah. And talked about how, uh, how high the temperatures could get some summer and yeah. an overload and a and a breakdown you were very successful in business and so if you if you look at this from a business perspective what is it what are the conditions that are are cre- creating what i would sort of call a um 
almost like a, a meltdown or just an inability to get anything done. What, what, what are the circumstances that are creating sort of that uh, stranglehold or, or what, what did uh, the former admiral uh, call it? Uh, gridlock, gridlock. What, what's causing the gridlock in city government? I think it's a, a fear of taking tough votes. I still remember one mayor after another. Let's take Darwin Heinemann, mm-hmm. 15 years as a mayor. Dari always was willing to make take a tough vote yep. because he thought you got to have the courage. You're put there for a reason. It's kind of like my wife's old job. You know, you've got to make decisions. Yeah. And if you don't make those decisions when you should, they might come back to bite you in the rear end later yep. on. Yep. For example, I was a co-chair of that uh, or the chair of that committee that came up with City Hall, the, the redo of it. Oh, yeah. And it turned out to be a very successful thing. Yeah. But some people didn't want to vote for it. They wanted to go to the people. And I stood in front of them and I said, you know, you you can do that if you want. But if it fails, the problem's not going away. In fact, it's worse. Mm -hmm. And so we ultimately got a vote. I don't know if if we could get that vote today Mm because so many people just seem to be afraid of something. I don't know what. I don't know if there's a boogeyman in, in the various wards or not. But. You know, this power line issue is not a and, not and the a hard hesitancy vote. there was to raise rates. You know, like I don't. You know, they were afraid to raise rates, and 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 you know, the deal is, is that you know that costs are increasing, of course, and so you can increase people's rates by one and a half percent, two percent a year, and people are are totally fine with that. Yeah, but if you don't do anything for five or six years, then all of a sudden you got to raise it eight, nine, ten percent. All of a sudden, it's a big deal. It's a and, big impact. And there's one other aspect of that: your bond rating goes down. Oh, yeah. Because you just because you demonstrate a, an inability to raise money. That's one reason that it took even longer to do the water plant repairs and get that uh, process started. You had to get the bond re, uh, rating back up. Was this a similar situation to running extending sewer across uh, Perchy Creek uh, over to Midway area? Was that was that also uh, a sign of that kind of uh, gridlock? It may have been. I never quite understood the opposition to that. It, I hate to say it, but I'm not 100% sure it wasn't because of antipathy toward uh, Larry Potterfield yeah. and guns yeah. and Midway Arms. Probably was. I think that had something yeah. to do with it. Yeah. You talk about shooting yourself in the foot. By the time you bring them in and you bring in uh, the Bechtold operation, yeah. Mid- Midway. Midway, I think we, the city would have gotten six to $800,000 a year in, in additional sales tax revenue. And the schools, I know the schools would have gotten, well, you know, what? I mean, the schools would have benefited incredibly from from that, you sure. know, and so from property tax. And so, uh, is Midway USA in the city limits at this point? No, they've moved out to their new so, campus. No, I meant to say Midway Truck Stop. Is, oh. is Midway Truck Stop in the city limits? No, no, really. Okay, I don't think so. Okay, so you know, the major issue out there is sewer, of, of course. course, and and so, um, you know, when as you're getting ready to expand. I-70 to six lanes and you finish the second phase of the Roachport Bridge, you know, my guess is that whatever is going to occupy where the truck stop currently is, is going to be a major producer of tax revenue for our community, you know, so... Not sure what we're waiting on, but uh, I don't know. And uh, like you say, there was the uh, the whole issue of uh, sewer and uh, less risk to Perchy Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, no question about it. Uh, lots of stuff uh, going on. Let's talk about the uh, Opportunity Campus. Um, it is. Uh, I, I was surprised to see um, the County of Boone, the County Commission, decide at this point not to fund the Opportunity Campus. I know that the state 
uh, of Missouri has had some reservations uh, with, uh, though their funding was much smaller, right. uh, seem to be somewhat reluctant to get involved in the project. What is your current read on the status of the Opportunity Center? Opportunity it it seems like it varies week to week. And this, for people that don't know, this is the homeless camp, uh, the homeless center that is uh, being proposed next to the uh, city power plant, the, what, what was formerly a power plant, uh, on Business Loop 70, uh, right there where it meets Paris Road, Route B. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was an $18 million project, uh, last I heard. It could be more by now. Uh, what, what's the current status of that project? You know, I hear it sort of goes back and forth. One week I hear that it may not happen. Then the next week I hear that, uh, no, it's going to happen, and et cetera. Just, they're just putting the pieces together. So mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. Uh First of all, I think it's a terrible location. There's no sidewalk out there, and people roar by in their vehicles. How long is it going to take before some poor soul gets killed or yeah. at least hit? Yep. But uh, I have a more fundamental disagreement, and you wrote about it. Uh, I, I remember, uh, of course, the uh, local activists uh, tried to jump all over you and said, uh, no, we're following established, sensible things. Mm-hmm. The, the key words are... Uh, uh, what is that called? Well, the two issues are yeah. substance abuse. You know, there's a lot of people in this community that want to make it about a lack of affordable housing in our community. That ain't the issue uh, because the lack of affordable housing issue are the people who are making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year as teachers and cops who can't afford to buy a home in this community. Right. The issues with homelessness are much more closely tied to substance abuse, and then in second place, mental health. Right. And you know, I have not seen any plans, and I have looked. Uh, I have not seen any kind of strategy that would address the substance abuse problem or the mental health issue. Yeah, well, the uh, <clears throat> the word I was looking for was uh, the, the Obama administration program called Housing First. Oh, yeah. And it's basically, if you build a nice place, they'll come. Well, first of all, uh, California is the Petri dish for that, and we can see how that's working out. You uh, Out there, only about 55% even go if you build it. Yeah. Uh, if that you, many. That surprises me mm-hmm. that they get that many. Think of all the federal programs you've noted, uh, known about over the years that you don't get to participate unless you do something. Yeah. You don't get food stamps unless you're trying to work, yeah. et cetera, or right. unemployment, et yep. cetera. Not this, not this program. And uh, the... The, the cities that have been successful invariably link willingness to accept treatment for mental illness or uh, addiction or both, because mm-hmm. that's about 75%. You're yep, right. Yep. Uh, it's just a big failure. Yep. And uh, that's that's the story out in California. And people just refuse to look at the evidence, I guess, because uh, the, they just want to plow on and uh, do that. But it, it's not going to work unless you... Uh, like San Antonio has a has a great track record down there, and they and they reduce homelessness by eighty percent. Wow! The kicker is, you've got to step up and try to get better. Mm-hmm. You've got to step up, get into your addiction, accept treatment for mental illness. So, in the end, you don't have to be homeless anymore because you're a productive citizen. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but they, it's very sad. So many people just don't want to face that reality. Yeah. You know, I want to have a humanitarian perspective on the homeless prob- problem in Columbia. But, you know, it just seems to be almost exponentially. In, in You know, the city claims that there's only 225 homeless people in this community. But, you know, as I drive around Columbia and you see 
an inside shot of these camps and you see what's happening on the streets and you see the activity uh, up and down Providence Road, up and down Broadway, up and down Stadium. And uh, you just see the throngs of people walking towards these homeless camps. And it, it just seems like lately we have attracted a more aggressive um, strain of, of homeless people who uh, it's not just panhandling. It's not just, you know, politely asking for uh, yeah. a donation. It's in your face. It's in your face. And yeah, it's, it's like it's, down at the post office at times. Yeah. And, you know, that is very alarming. And, you know, I think that we worry. You know, I, I think we worry about our wives and children. Uh, who maybe uh, are not as able to defend themselves, and maybe that's a sexist statement. But, but you know, I why should we have to worry about uh, our family members going downtown to the post office, you know, or to the grocery store uh, when you, you're fairly certain they're going to be uh, accosted by uh, someone who is homeless and and who may be suffering from substance abuse, which clouds their judgment, may be suffering from mental health, which clouds their judgment. Um, Anything could happen. Well, and the alarming thing is, uh, uh, you know, uh, schizophrenia, mm-hmm. particularly the uh, uh, the one variant of it, is a that person is often very dangerous. Mm. And I did a calculation once of uh, uh, I forget the name of that variant, but uh, I figured we probably had fifteen hundred of those folks that are homeless in the state of Missouri at any wow. one time. Wow! And uh, they can be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, sad. It is sad. Well, um, I want when we deinstitutionalize c- cities and states, dropped the ball. They didn't build the uh, treatment facilities and hospitals they should have. Yeah, I um, I know that you are good friends with Mike Murphy, and and one of the things I really appreciate Mike about Mike Murphy is that he's covering uh, news uh, stories in this community that nobody else is covering. And there was a story that broke earlier this week about uh, the city's uh, process. The, the city's process for distributing that $25 million in American Rescue Plan dollars was heavily criticized because it wasn't very transparent. It was not transparent at all, all right. actually. I was being kind, wasn't I? And, <laughs> I mean, compared to the county, when the county outdoes the city, you know, it's, that's really you're, saying something. You're, that, yeah. So You're known for your kindness. That's and you right. exhibited it once again. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But, you know, um, I... I I guess I, I didn't see the rest of the story. I only saw a brief reference to the, to the fact that the city was releasing details about who applied for this money and then you compare it against the list of who got money. Right. Uh, did you see any further details about, uh, what money had been released or what money had been applied for? No. Okay. It's a shame. I mean, there was an, uh, maybe it was Mike that wrote about it. Uh, uh, I think I read in the Missouri and there yeah. was an article that the city had released the details, but there were no, there were no details shared in the story. Mike Mike did write about it and, okay. and shared uh, who got what uh, I think or maybe yeah. it was maybe maybe it was the well uh, I saw the list of who got what but I, what I didn't mm-hmm. see was the list of who tried to get something right. and didn't get anything yeah. so I haven't uh, seen that yet maybe it hadn't been released yet yeah who knows but, but um, it, you know it, any thoughts about that process and and the way that that has gone uh, I thought the secrecy was terrible uh, uh-huh. it's not the, the way we like to operate in. Uh, representative government i might well have been illegal too yeah. I, I i think it violated the sunshine law yeah how can you justify that it's a 60 million dollar windfall for our community between what the city got and the county got and i you know i some of the the projects i think are are could be transformative you know but but largely for the most part they weren't and so just a major missed opportunity for our community we're visiting with bob roper uh he will be back with us for the third segment we're talking about all things community coming up in the third segment we'll talk about uh what's happening in the local economy and this real estate attacks uh debate abatement issue
And uh, we'll talk about some workforce issues and some of the things I picked up from the Missouri Chamber of Commerce uh, uh, event this week. All of that and more coming up during the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry with Bob Roper. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. I'm Fred Perry, your host with Bob Roper, visiting us this weekend, talking about all kinds of important things. I want to talk about the workforce issue, and and you had it on your list as well. I went to a two-day event uh, down in St. Charles, uh, sponsored by the Missouri Chamber of Commerce. And here's one of the things that's, that really sort of scares me about our workforce right now is that you, you have kind of this perfect storm happening. You have a lot of baby boomers who are retiring. And I think that the pandemic really had a major toll on a lot of these baby boomers who simply just said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Uh, and then you've got uh, sort of this Generation Z coming along that really has a, uh, they're the largest generation right now, but they, they have the, they have a very different uh, work ethic and, and they're, they're, they are much more in preference of flexibility versus stability. And so they like, they want to work from home. Uh, they want, they would rather work a gig than a full-time job. Uh, and that's just, you know, it's just part of their DNA for the, for the most part. And so, uh, but you have all of this stuff and, and then you, you know, you, you have this notion that a college degree is no longer worth nearly what it was worth five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, and you have this, this shift in education where people are saying, you know what? Uh, if you can graduate from high school with an associate's degree on top of your high school diploma, uh, you can take a job, uh, in a trade or vocation that is paying you 80 or $90,000 a year and you don't have to go to college and take on all that debt. Um, so it's, it, that is really chipping away. Uh, and this is a, a community that lives and dies by higher education. That is the, the main cog in our economic engine. And so all of a sudden you see the value of a college education going down at the same time. That doesn't bode well for important things in our, in our economy. What's, what's your take on K through 12 education? Well, the uh, workforce issue that you're talking about is real, and it was made worse, frankly, by the stupidity of government uh, paying you so much that it made sense not to work right. rather than work. During You're, the pandemic or yeah. just forever? Uh, during the pandemic, yeah. it's finally yeah. ended. Yeah. The states that ended it started seeing em- employment numbers go back up, Yeah, but it was a bad policy. Uh, so you had that, and then some, pe- some people were out long enough, they said, I don't want to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, the workforce uh, issue is very important uh, with respect to K-12. Uh, I have a little bit of a different take on that. I personally think that uh, <clears throat> K-12 education in this state is our most pressing and important problem. We do not, we just barely have school choice in this state. We're being circled by states that are have uh, gotten very aggressive in that regard. And, uh, you know, we have a very low workforce uh, readiness uh, score. We're pretty good as a state on attracting uh, industry and business otherwise. But if you are not educating people out of high school correctly, then uh, you've got a heck of a problem. And they, you know, uh, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas are leading the way on very, very robust school choice 
uh, scores. I don't have to tell you some of the difficulties uh, Columbia Public Schools has had yeah. in their scores lately. The, so until this state gets it gets its act together on choice, I, I think we're going to continue to have workforce development issues. And by the way, Dr. Choi of the university, he's he's on the station I work with, yeah. which will go unnamed, by the way. Yeah, thank and, you very uh, much. Yeah. Uh, I asked him once what his biggest fear was or biggest concern. What keeps you up at night? And he says the reduced number of kids graduating from mm-hmm. high school and the reduced percentage of those kids that want to go to higher education. Yeah. So in other words, the University of Missouri and all others have to really, really offer a good product. And for example, they need to be able to tell a kid, if you go to engineering, here's your return on in- investment. Yeah. If you go to art history, well, here's your yeah. return on Good investment. Luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would and, you like uh, prize with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think you'll uh, uh recruit a lot more really quality students if you level with them that it is in fact worth it at our university for this it I I'm, I'm beginning to think it's more important what you take and major in that rather than where you go. Yeah. So if you can sell that story, I think you could do well. There doesn't seem to be a lot of concern about this major demographic cliff that we're getting ready to encounter in 2025. You know, where we're going to lose like, you know, we will probably lose 15 to 20% of our population at the university alone just because of the of the dramatic uh, decline in birth rate that by right. dating back to 2007. And so you have that demographic thing working about you. You have sort of a shifting attitude about the value of a college education. And, Particularly uh, lately. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think the other thing is, is that, you know, the chamber survey, the Missouri Chamber of Commerce, that is, did a, a this survey and, and almost 70% of, um, well, almost 70% of the kids who are graduating from high school and college in the state of Missouri do not have the basic life skills and professional skills to go to the workforce. And these are things like showing up to work on time, dressing appropriately for work, uh, being able to get along with your coworkers, your colleagues, your customers. Uh, these are skill sets that these kids simply don't have. I don't know why that is. I, I can't begin to imagine where that went to. If I would blame video games. Uh, might be my first first place to point the finger but and just a decline in in overall k-12 education yeah that's why we need school choice yeah i think it was milton friedman the the great nobel uh economist Mm -hmm. uh, winning economist who said uh, this is a capitalist democratic capitalist choice country you know we have we operate based on markets the only place we don't do it that way is the most important place of all k-12 education yeah Think about that. Yeah, I'm, I hate I hate to say it, but I'm beginning to think the uh, the public school monopoly is is just massively failing in a lot of places. And you know what's interesting about that, Bob? And I, I think that a lot of the people who are who spend things would would make you believe that our investment in public education has greatly reduced over the last twenty years. It's shocking how much more money we are spending year after year, year over year, uh, on public education. Well, the, uh, and the return on investment doesn't match. Right. Columbia Public Schools, I think, uh, by the time you add in all the every little bit, I think we've spent eighteen to nineteen thousand dollars a year per student. See, that's incredible. It is incredible, yeah, incredible, and so and so that so that certainly would pave the way for a very easy transition to school choice. 
Absolutely. with the kind of money we're spending. Well, the uh, you know some schools uh, got through the pandemic really well, et cetera. They tended to be private schools, Catholic schools, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any school that was has a huge union uh, NEA yeah. uh, presence like yep. we do, they didn't do so well. Yeah, yeah, because they weren't they didn't they didn't stay in class. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, the, the stranglehold that they have on, on our local education system. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Cherie Tolson-Reich's uh, efforts to get a petition circulated around this community to uh, create a, an initiative petition to force the county commission, or at least allow the voters to decide whether or not persons over the age of 65, is that is that what it is? 62, I 62. think. 62. Yeah. Uh, Social to have, Security uh, eligible okay, age. To have their property taxes frozen. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, if you pay close attention to this, I know you do, but uh, we've had some pretty dramatic increases in property right. taxes uh, in the last three years here in Boone County. And we've endured a, a fairly stiff bout of inflation, too. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea behind the legislation was uh, maybe give... Uh, Homeowners a break too, particularly those that are probably on fixed income at a cer- of a certain age. The ones that are really paying the bills. Yes, I hate to say that, but uh, that's true. And uh, I, I kind of get a little bit of the other side. I think some of these rural districts don't have a lot of money, and they're really worried about it. And there's this argument that it'll take it back to when you turn sixty two or something like that. I, I, that may have to be covered by the the courts, but. Uh, uh, you know, let's let's think about our people that qualify. They've endured inflation in recent years, and their home uh, values keep going up and up and up, so they pay more and more taxes. So, to me, it's totally appropriate that yeah. they ought to get a break. I would agree 100%. Tell me what a climate emergency declaration looks like. Well, uh, one of my biggest concerns is uh, a law passed in 19... 19- 76 as i recall probably over gerald ford's uh, veto uh it's called the the emergencies act mm. and it allows the, the the federal government really the president to the the executive to declare an emergency if a certain number of facts can be proven and basically seize quite a bit of executive power and i think we saw a little bit of a run-up to that on the whole covid response mm-hmm. you know changing not just election rules but changing laws for lockdowns and everything else and i'm getting a little concerned more first of all backdrop more and more climate scientists are coming out and saying we don't really have a crisis or an emergency Mm -hmm. we have a problem yeah but we can fix that over the next 80 years or so yeah just relax and quit fear-mongering it doesn't have to be fixed in five years no, and you don't have to have your liberties taken away from you mm-hmm. and have a some uh, some kind of a oh I don't know uh, bad state telling you what to do all the time. We already have bad enough uh, evidence of that uh, yeah. uh, in a lot of areas. But the point is, uh, the the president and his buddies and others keep saying, "Yeah, oh, we got a real emergency on our hands. We got a real crisis. We're going to have to do something about it." That's what I worry about, yeah. that this is uh, uh, laying the groundwork to take away some of our liberties. Yeah, I want to squeeze in one more subject here. The, this week on Facebook, uh, there is a picture of the mayor of Columbia, Barbara Buffalo, uh, wearing a T-shirt that has a verse uh, scribed across the front of it that says, I'm the freaking mayor. And freaking is not the word that is used. Um, uh, that is circulating widely over facebook right now um uh have you seen it and and what's your reaction to that 
I don't do social media, yep. and every day I'm more and more happy that I don't. Yep. Uh, so I just heard about it when I walked in here yeah. for this interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's just put it this way. I don't think that's an appropriate way for the mayor of a city of 120,000 plus citizens to to act. Yeah. Hopefully there's more to the story. She has every right. Yeah. I'm not saying she doesn't. Free speech. Right. I'm all in on that. Yeah. But I don't think it's appropriate. I, I think it uh, sullies her reputation, frankly. Yeah. She has the right to do it, but maybe uh, should should avoid doing it considering her position. And and maybe there's much more to the story and maybe it's a total fabrication. You know, I guess uh, I'm hoping that one of those two things is, is the case. But I do too. It certainly is not very flattering. If it's a real thing, it's certainly not a very flattering picture of our, our city or the mayor. So, uh, well, Bob, we appreciate your time, and and uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything that we missed. Uh, how are you feeling? You you spent a lot of years in business. How are you feeling about the national economy right now? Uh, very worried. There's a lot of things that I don't have time to go through all of yep. it. But as interest rates rise, we have to refinance the federal debt. You know, it's pretty easy to borrow when it, when uh, the the debt is, uh, I mean, interest rates are one and a half or two percent. Yeah. You know, they come due. Should have done it for long term, but they didn't for yeah. some stupid reason. Yeah. So now when you got to re, uh, refinance at five percent instead of two, do you realize what the, what the interest expense is going to oh, be over the next few years? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. We're heading toward a calamity and we cannot seem to get the people in the House and Senate or the president, to be serious about doing something about this. Yeah. Are you bullish on gold right now? I've never been much of a gold bug because it doesn't doesn't pay dividends. <laughs> All right. Very good. It probably is. I'm, so I'm going to stay away hey, from that that's one. That's probably reason enough right there. So that's good. We appreciate your time, Bob. That's Bob Roper, and uh, we appreciate you taking time out to uh, join us this weekend. We'll be back next weekend with another edition of the CEO Roundtable Show. I'm Fred Perry. Until that time, you have been listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was born and raised.